All right, pretty slick. Get the video action going. Amen? All right. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Nice little cozy small crowd. I like it this morning. This is good. Well, hey, um, grab a Bible. And uh, we are in the midst of a series in Colossians. We can do it. And um, so we're going to dig into that this morning. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. If you want to take a second to find that. Um, I'm excited about this series because, number one, we're getting back into the Word, getting into Colossians, breaking it apart, seeing what God has to say for, to us. And Colossians is just an amazing book. There's just some unbelievable stuff in there that I think is relevant, relevant for us today. Um, in the midst of this, too, I just want to highlight a couple things. Um, as you saw, we got the video, which is kind of cool. Andrew Painter, who actually is one of ours, put that together, did an awesome job just seeing God using his gifts to do that. It's going to be cool to see what else comes out of that. One other thing that we're doing, too, is on the website, there's actually a little personal Bible study guide that we're creating for Colossians. And you can download that under resources at the Red Sea website. So has anybody actually done that yet? Just a show of hands. All right, there's a couple. Awesome. Cool. So it's very simple. It's not glamorous. Um, but it's just, it's just meant to get you into the text personally, just reading it and studying it. If you read your Bible every day vigorously and you get up at 4 in the morning and have, you know, tons of study time with God, and you have this awesome study guide you use, please keep doing that, <laughs> okay? But if you don't, this could be a great resource and tool to help you get into the Word, so I'd love for you to do that. Um, would you stand with me? I just want to stand as we read this, the Word of God together, and then we'll dive in. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen? Amen. Be seated. I want to open with some prayer this morning. So would you bow your heads with me? God, what an unbelievable text of Scripture that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write. Um, just the glory of your Son that we begin to sense and feel as we read that, Jesus, that you are the creator of everything, that everything is for you. Uh, Lord, we are, indeed are for you. And I pray that this morning, God, that, that your Holy Spirit, the Spirit that was actively involved in the creation, the forming of the world of all things, of everything that we see, everything that exists, visible and invisible, that lives inside your people, would illuminate us this morning as we look into your word, the very word of the living God. Lord, may you challenge us, may you open our eyes, may you transform us. God, our prayer is that we would leave here not the same as when we came in, whatever that might be. God, you know each one of us intimately. So we look to you this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray. All his people said, amen. All right, let's dig in. This is actually considered, uh, most scholars consider this probably an ancient hymn. If you notice, it's very poetic, even in the translation into English. It has some rhythm and rhyme to it. Um, so this was probably a hymn that was sung. So Paul, 
is taking this, and he's either alluding to this hymn or he's quoting it verbatim, whatever it is, but on some unbelievable theological statements are being made in this book. So let's begin to break this down. Let's just jump in, verse 15. Here's how he opens it. He, the he is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the image of the invisible God. Let's just stop right there. Okay, the first, what is it, five or six words, absolutely mind-blowing. Have you ever just sat and thought about the creator of the world, whether you believe in him or not? And who that might be? Is there a God out there? If I believe in him, what is he like? Have you ever just sat and looked up into the sky? Anybody? Yeah? A few people? Am I the only one that contemplates the meaning of life? You sit there in that moment, and you're just like, wow, you're looking up at the stars and the vastness of the galaxies and the universe, or the grandness of his creation. It's like someone created this. Someone stands outside of all of this. What is he like? What does he look like? The invisible God. Did you know that God is invisible? It's invisible. You can't see him. It says in the Bible multiple places that no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. He's invisible. He dwells in unapproachable light. You can't even approach him. If you wanted to go see him, even if you could, you wouldn't be able to. You'd fall on your faces dead, which many do. Seeing angels. You ever thought about that? All these guys in the Bible, they fall down dead, like as though dead. You know, this angel appeared, and then I just fell on my face, just like prostrate on the ground as though dead by an angel. Guess what angels do in the Bible? They sit in the presence of God, and they cover their faces. They cover their eyes in the presence of God. Those angels who do that in God's presence cause us to fall on our faces though dead. Can you imagine God? What is he like? What is he like? Check this out. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Here's what this is saying. That when we look at Jesus Christ, the man who came and that lived, we read about him in the Gospels, we see the invisible God. That means everything that Jesus did, everything that he said, everything that he was about shows us what God is like. You thought about that as you're going through, maybe reading through the Gospels, Hearing the things that he's saying, things that he's doing, that's exactly what God would do. That's exactly what God would say if he was here, because he was God. Hebrews 1 puts this beautifully too. says that he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So here's the first thing. Verse 16 says, For by him all things were created. He created everything. He upholds the universe. So Jesus, the, the guy that you had your quiet time with this week, the Jesus who we talk about, that we take lightly, my Jesus, this Jesus created everything that we see. He's the image of the invisible God. Think about that for a second. I wish I could just like take the roof off for a second and uh, just like look at creation, look at the sky. We could all get up, take our chairs, go outside. But by the look on your faces, and mine as well, that might be kind of annoying this morning. It's kind of cozy in here, isn't it? We're tired. Okay, let's just stay in here. But imagine, okay? Close your eyes, whatever it takes. Think about creation. Um, I was just up at Deschutes, on the Deschutes River, um, the state park up there with my missional community. We were chilling, hanging out together. Um, if you're not in a missional community, you need to get in one. And I highly recommend a camping trip. 
now that I've done it. Um, we really got to know each other. They're actually still up there. Um, none of them came to church except me because I'm, I'm the holy one. Um, and I had to preach. I had to preach too, so that's why I would have stayed up there. Not that I don't love you guys, but it was fun. So we're out in the middle of nature, right, on the Deschutes River. And I remember just sitting there looking at this passage and just thinking, like, all the beauty around me, the winds blowing, causing allergy hell for me, basically. But I try not to think about that. Um, but the wind's just blowing everywhere. Trees are blowing in the wind. It's green. The river, you can hear the river flowing. I look up into the sky, see some clouds, just thinking, see the sun shining. And uh, I'm just looking at this, just thinking about the vastness of the universe. Have you ever been in those moments in your life where you're just maybe looking at the stars and just thinking, dude, that is just insane, like how huge those stars are, and yet they're just these little dots in the sky. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been to a place like the Grand Canyon, maybe? Or just something that's just so beautiful, just driving through the gorge even? And just stop and thinking that God made all of that. And we're just a little speck in America. We're a little speck on the globe, St. John's, even Portland. Then you within that. Just think about yourself just within the city of Portland. Think about yourself within America, how small you are. Have you thought about how many people there are? Have you ever done that, like just people watching? And you're just like, dude, all these people, man, just flocking everywhere. They all have lives. They have friends. I'll never know them. There's so many people in the world. Um, think about the vastness of the universe, just even our Milky Way, it, which is just even a speck in the universe. I mean, the earth is literally not even a speck. It's like, like a speck on a speck on a speck. I mean, it's nothing. It's just, it's ludicrous. That's the earth and then us inside the earth. Little, little you, little me. That's how vast and huge this is. Jesus, Jesus, right? The one that we, we think of as however we think of him on a regular basis. He's the one that made, he freaking made all of that. You are hearing me this morning? I don't know how else to say it. You know what I mean, dude? It's insane, Jesus, walking around, talking to people, made all of that. He made it all. So let's just try to just let that <clears throat> start to sink in this morning. I know it's hard. We have coffee. Well, we don't anymore, but if you had... <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't even said that. Now you're all dreaming about coffee. We'll be out in the sunshine soon, I promise, enjoying it, and you can get some coffee for lunch. All right. So let's just let that soak in. That's the first thing, you guys. Our, our, our view of Jesus should just be, the roof should just be blown off of it, dude. Just, when's the last time you thought about Jesus Christ like that? The one that you pray to? That's Jesus. It says, for by him, all things were created. He's the firstborn of all creation. We've got to be careful here. Um, <clears throat> this translates in English and makes us think that maybe he was born. Um, there are actually some cults that have developed, and they'll use this verse, say that, you know, God had a little baby named him Jesus. You know, it's not true. Jesus is the eternal one. He's existed for all of eternity. I could show you multiple places in the Bible. What this means, the word that's used there, <clears throat> it's used of David in the Psalms as the king, as the Messiah coming. He's going to be the firstborn. It's a, it's, it speaks of primacy. You'll see that as we go through in the context. It means he was first. He was here before anything. He was here eternally, and he stands above everything. Because he was here first, it's all his. You know, you know what I mean? When you show up somewhere and somebody's like, I was here first. You know, like you see the kids or whatever, they're trying to get on the slide. And the kid's like, I was here first. Well, that settles it, doesn't it? All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you were there first. He was here first. It's his. You know, we don't have a say in it, what goes on. It's his. That's what it's saying. 
He was here first. He created everything. It goes on in verse 16. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Just the visible is all I've really talked about. It just blows my mind. Also the invisible. Your imaginary friends if you have them. Okay? I'm kidding. I'm just trying to lighten the mood this morning. Okay. Um, invisible, the invisible realm. Angels. There are angels. There are demons. There's an invisible realm that we don't think about very often. He created all of that. All of it. Everything. Visible and invisible. Thrones, whether it's thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created. What he's saying right there is that no one else is in charge. <laughs> not President Obama. Not whoever. Whoever it is. They're not really in charge. He is. It's his. He was her first. He made it. Okay? All things were created through him and for him. So before we jump into this, I want you to notice something. There's a, when you're studying the Bible, here's a great way to kind of think through what is it really saying. Because the first thing you want to do, here's your first job when you're looking at the Bible and you're reading it, is not going, oh, that's an interesting little verse. What do I think that means for my life? Before you do that, <laughs> you need to figure out what it actually means. Like, what is Paul actually saying here? Check this out. Here's a good way to do it. As you see words that are repeated over and over again, six verses, he repeats one word five times in six verses, and that's the phrase, all things. He says the word he, actually 12 times, talking about Jesus, in six verses, 12 times. Check this out. Here's all things. It sounds kind of funny when you read it this way. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, or all things, he might be preeminent. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. So there's all things, all things, all things. Now check this out. Watch the word he, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. For by him all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. In him, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. You think Paul's trying to say something here? I think he is. Him, Jesus, all things. How much is all things? Yeah. And I did check the Greek here, and it does mean all things. So this is a good translation. Um, all things, everything is for him. So then he says this about this. Check it out. The end of verse 16. All things were created... Through him and for him. Catch that? It's easy to gloss over that. They were created through him and for him. I don't know why, but that phrase just sticks out to me as I've gone over this. Everything was created for him. For him. Um, my son Josiah, for Father's Day, made this. He was prepping me on this for like two or three weeks. Like, I got this gift for you for Father's Day. You're going to like it, but I can't tell you what it is. And he just loves doing that, you know, trying to torture me. So I kind of almost forgot about it. And then on Father's Day, he comes home from school, and uh, close to Father's Day, and he's holding something behind his back, this gift, right? And so I open it up, and it's this, this mug that he made, this coffee mug. Made the coffee mug, painted all over it. It says, like, number one dad, all this cool stuff. He drew an alien on it, which I'm not sure what the connection is there, but, you know, it's all right. So, but, but he says, like, I made this for you, Dad. 
right? I made this for you. Have you ever made something for someone? Who's it for? It's for them. Like he wants, so ever since we've had that cup, like every morning, if I grab like a different coffee cup, he's like, what are you doing? Is the cup dirty? Where is it? You know, it's just like, dad, you didn't use the cup. It's right here. It's clean. No, it's dirty. We'll wash it real quick. You know, like he wants me to use that cup every time. So I got to be careful to like use that cup, you know, because he, why is that? Because he made it for me. It's, it's not, it's not for my wife, Tara. It's not for his sister, Abby. It's for me. It's the father's that gift he made for me. That's what this is saying is that we're created for Jesus. Think about the implications of what that means. We're for him. You hear people say, like, what's this life for? Like, common question. What's this all for? Where's this all going? What's it for? Well, it's for Jesus. <laughs> Got the answer right here. It's for him. Everything is for him, including you. And not just you. We've got to expand our minds here. Gospel's not all about us. Every single thing in the universe is created for Jesus. So he created it, came through him, and it's for him. What does that tell you? It begins with him and it ends with him. It's pretty crazy. I was uh, sitting on the Deschutes River going over this passage in my lawn chair in the shade. It was just beautiful, right? And I'm just watching the river. And I'm on this part right here just thinking, like, I don't want to say about this. It's just amazing, but I don't really know how to put it into words. And I'm watching the river just flow, right? The river flows into the Columbia. And I'm thinking, where does that go? Well, eventually, where do all rivers go? The ocean, the sea, right? All rivers flow into the sea. All of life, everything that we see in every single person is flowing into what? It's Jesus. It's all for him. That's the destination. That's where you're going. So if you're like trying to hide from him, like I'm going to hide from God, I'm going to run away, you're just going to end up, you're in a river, dude, and you're floating down. You think you're, you're running away, but you're flowing right into him. Every person, there's no way out of it. He started it all, he's in it all, and he's waiting at the end. So here's the deal. Does that mean everybody's going to be saved and enjoy blissful life with Jesus? That's the bad part. No. Some people, as one commentator said, we're either going to be a throne or a footstool. If you're a throne, you enthrone him as the king. God said the Messiah, Jesus, what he's going to do with his enemies is make them his footstool. You're going to be a footstool. You can't run. You got, there's a decision that you have to make. We're all flowing toward Jesus. Everything in life, the things that you don't understand— they're flowing back into him. They're created through him and for him. So here's a question this morning just to think about. Who are you living for? Like if that's true, right? It's logically. If you're created for him, you're for Jesus. Like that's the end of the line. Like there's no in-between. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no sideline margins. It's like you're part of all things. You're created for Jesus. That's the whole reason that you exist. Have you thought about that? Like, why do I exist? What's my purpose in life? Like, where am I going? I, I do. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I do all the time. Sometimes I'm just like, am I going the right direction? God, what's your plan for my life? What's your purpose? But if we really want to make it simple, it's for Jesus. I know that sounds way too simplified. You're for him. Like, you're going you're gonna to flow into him, and then you're going to be with him for all of eternity. So if that's true, let's just say that's true, what should— what should your life be like right now? Maybe we should be for him now, since that's where we're going to be anyway. Maybe that's the best place that we could possibly be, because when you create something for something, it's usually best in that environment. Um, Brent's guitar, 
was created to be played, so it's best in the hands of a good guitarist playing it. Amen? Right? There's some other things I could think of you could try to do with that thing. It's just not going to be as cool as when somebody's playing it, playing music through it. Same with the keyboard, same with everything. So we're, our life gets jacked up when we start living for other things. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus, you're my Lord, I'm a Christian, I believe in you, and I'm, I'm trying to live for this, because I want this to make me happy. I want to find my fulfillment. I want my river to flow into a different ocean. I want it to flow somewhere else. But then we end up empty. Everything's for him. Then he goes on, and he says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Okay, just think about some of this stuff right now, like, to be honest with you, I've, I've spent a lot of time going to this passage, and I'm just like, what do I say about this? Because when I read it, I'm like, that's unbelievable. That's just like, that's crazy right there. But then I'm like, I don't know what to say about it. Um, things hold together through him, yeah. They hold together, get it, <laughs> right? What do I, it's insane. So a lot of today is just going to be, I'm just going to give you a moment, just let that sink in. Everything that you see, he holds together. Think about that for a second. Okay, so if, that, if that's true, everything's held together, what happens when he lets go? It's not a trick question. It's not going to go well. It's going to fall apart. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's going to fall apart. Everything. You look at the universe and how it spins, spinning in perfect rhythm. The sun's just perfect distance away from the earth. You've heard that before. It's a little closer. We'll all burn a little farther away. We'll all freeze the oceans will, whatever, the moon is in the right spot, the gravitational pull. That's just like in our little speck on the top of a speck on top of a speck, part of the universe. Everything's just being held together in perfect rhythm. And then within that, something happened. People started saying, squirming and going, I went out of this. They're trying to jump out of the rhythm, right? It's called sin. That's what we've done, the beginning of creation. Think about our own life. Like if Jesus holds everything together, you think he can hold you together? He holds you together in one sense, is that you breathe. Have you ever thought about, like, how do you keep breathing? I don't recommend it, because sometimes you, like, I'll, I'll have trouble breathing after a while. You're like, oh, gosh, now I don't even know if I can do this. Have you ever done that? Am I just weird? You're just kind of like, dude, I just keep breathing. Like, I don't even think about it. Like, what if I just, like, forgot to stop breathing? Or, like, all of a sudden there's no breath available. Or, like, it just didn't. You ever thought about that? It would not, that would not go well. I'm breathing, like my heart just keeps beating. I have no control over my heart beating. I can't just be like, oh, I feel slowing down, come on. It's like, I, it just beats, dude. If it stops, I'm screwed. I'm going to the hospital, I hope I live, you know what I mean? Something's just keeping this body just flowing. I'm able to stand here and think and talk and move, you know? All that happens. He wants to hold everything else in our lives together, but sin is when we jump out of that and we go, no, sin is ultimately this. I want to hold it together myself. That's, that's just a real simple way to put it. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Uh, well, I got it. I'll do this on my own. I, don't, I know what you said, but I'll do this, and that's the results. So we're trying to hold our life together. Think about that in your life. Like, what are you trying to hold together in your life? Trying to hold your future. could be your marriage. I could name multiple things. We try to hold it together. We try to plan it. Because we're afraid that, like, no one else is going to hold it together if we don't. But if we as believers, there's this huge word you see over and over in the Bible called faith. 
It's like we're supposed to trust in God that he's going to hold it together, that Jesus can hold it together. Anybody testify on that? Hear an amen? Yeah, like we know it in our heads, but we got to do some serious thinking about that. Because, I mean, if we really break it down, let's not get cliche, but let's just really think deeply on this. He holds everything together. He holds you together. That's just, like, insane. But then we're like, no, you can't hold my future together. i got to jump on that, and i got to make that happen. You can't hold my emotions together. You can't, this, my sin is out of control. I can't stop. i got to try to fix this myself. You know what I mean? You can't hold it together. You can't hold my marriage together. i got to fix this. Whatever it is, got to think on that. Everything's created for him, and he holds it all together. Now, this is the big picture of the creator God, but now we jump into the church where you're sitting today. We're in church, right? Here's what he says in verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So he's the head of the body of the church. A lot of times the scripture talks about we're the body of Christ. That's what we always talk about is we're the body. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Some are elbows, right? There's all kinds of us. We work together as a body. Well, this is actually putting the primacy on the head part. He's the head of the body. What happens to a body without a head? Doesn't work, right? Except the headless horseman. I'm not sure if he's real or not. As far as we know, when your head dislocates from your body, it ain't happening. You're done. It's not happening. If, let's say the head's connected to the body, and the head tells the hand, reach out and grab that phone, and then my foot kicks, what would you say about that? Would you call the doctor? (laughs) Okay. So, not only does Jesus keep us alive, the church alive, so it's not just that He's the head as in he's in charge. That's true. He keeps us alive, and he's supposed to be directing everything that we do. Okay, here's the part right here. You know, let's just, let's not uh, beat around the bush. Pastor Sean's gone. I said goodbye to him last night, his whole family. They hopped in the van, and they're off. Right? I mean, that's the reality. Literally, they're gone. Here we are. Here we sit. Our temptation, there's not a lot of people today. Ah, what's going to happen? Church is going to die, right? Got a bunch of smuck, schmucks up there like Billy, Josh, and Royce. There's no way they can run this thing, <laughs> right? I thought that. I mean, I'm not going to kid you, right? Hey, let's be honest, man. Sheesh. It's nice just to have a guy. He started the church. He's been doing it, man. He can, he can do it well. It's just it's nice to have somebody like... You know, let's just, I don't know, let's just find a guy and put him in there and just, then at least we have someone to blame when everything goes wrong or whatever. I have a question I can call, a cell phone, you know what I mean? It's like, I need someone. Well, here's the reality, you guys. Jesus really is the head of the body. Like, that means he's the senior pastor, and we always talk about that, and we say it smiling. We're like, yeah, totally, dude, when, when the lead pastor's here, when Sean's here. We're like, yeah, amen. Yeah, Jesus is all right, not Sean. Jesus. Then Sean leaves, and we're like, that's right, dang, he's the head of the body. Uh, well, we need, well, but that's not good enough, right? Just like, eh. here's the thing about this, guys. Okay, what are we going to do? What are we doing? Well, we're do, we are doing this together. 
So if people don't show up, well, yeah, the church might, they might die. Because you kind of need people to make the church happen, okay? We're the church, and we're looking to Jesus. Here's the thing, is that we have plenty of information. It's all right here. I know you guys, most of you guys know this, okay? We got the info. We got the word. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We know what we're supposed to be about. Someone's like, oh my gosh, Sean's gone. I forgot am I supposed to love my brothers and sisters? Or like, wait, was it love? Is that what it was? I'm going to call a cell phone real quick because I can't remember. You know what I mean? It's like, oh no, yeah, I'm supposed to love. That's right. That's what the Bible says that I have in the translation of my choice and some study notes too in case I need them, right? Okay. If there's an opportunity to love your brother or sister, please love them. Don't ask for permission. Just do it, okay? Stuff like that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Should I be in a missional community? Well, I, I don't know. Pastor Sean's gone, and I'm not sure if there's any going. I mean, I know they're all listed on the website in detail with the addresses and phone numbers, but yeah, I'm going to have to call Sean on this. <laughs> okay. If you're not in one, dude, check a couple out. Why do we do that? Because we're supposed to live in community. There's these things called one another. You're supposed to love one another. Good luck sitting at home by yourself with a cup of coffee loving one another. It's going to be really difficult. <laughs> okay? It's loving yourself. We, we do that anyway. Got to be in one of those. Okay. This is, the, this is the book that we live by. It's called the Bible. You may have one with you right now. Okay. Just make sure, you know, it's not some cultic weird Bible. Okay? Bible. Read this book. Okay? You have permission. You can read it. When you go home, read it tomorrow. We have a Colossian study guide on the website to help you if you need it. Okay. Please read this, bu- read this book. Where are we going as a church? What are we going to do? Okay. There's these people that don't know Jesus yet. We refer to them as the lost. We believe that they're going to hell because they don't, haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the gospel. So they're, they're the walking dead right now. They're flowing into Jesus toward judgment and death. They need to hear this message. It's called the gospel. If you're not sure what it is, we're glad to help you with that. We're talking about it today. They need to hear this message. Okay? They need someone to love them and reach out to them. We need to do that together. So these are the basics. You guys, if these stop because the pastor left, what are we doing here? And you know what? It happens all the time. All the time. Pastors leave and the church shuts down. There's no, no pastor that I've ever met that would ever want that to happen. They, they long to see, I would long to see a church just continue to thrive. Okay? Now, am I excusing, hey, you know, just, you guys, we're just going to stand up here and talk for an hour and you need to to make it happen. No, there, there, we need shepherds in the church. We need direction. We need practical steps. Okay? We do need those. We are trying to do that because our job is to lead you to Jesus and to be in this together and figure out how we're going to reach the city. You know, we don't just sit around at our early meetings and be like, there's some coffee in the back. How are you guys doing? Good, good. What should we do? I don't know. Let's just meet again next week, see what happens. Maybe we should pray. I don't really know what to pray. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we, we know, we understand. We got something that we need to do. We have a mission we need to be shepherding the church. We're trying to figure that out, so please pray for us. Um, Wednesday night, no lie, 
Royce, Josh, and I met, and here's what we did for an hour and 40 minutes in Josh's living room as we prayed the entire time, unbroken prayer. And a lot of it was for you guys, some people by name. We were just lifting it up, and we're just like, God, Jesus, everything's created through you and for you. This is all about you. You hold everything together. What do you want to do? If God says, I need you guys to go out and find a senior pastor to replace Sean, we will jump and we will do that as soon as possible. Because we're taking directions from the head, okay? But right now, we're moving forward. We feel like we have enough right now. We have a sense of God to just keep moving forward, and we'll see what happens. We're going to do our best to listen to him and be leading, but we need everybody to be in it, amen? Everybody, man. Get in. Don't wait for permission. When we play something before you do it, download the study guide. Get in a missional community. If you're in one, start living life together. If it's not the way you like it, start being a part of the solution. Start loving the people around you. Maybe you need to find another one. That's okay, too. Find one that just the point is get in one, and let's start doing this together. Let's start dreaming and talking stuff that we talk about up here. Let's do it together. We want to be in it together. We need to work together. You guys with me on that? I'm just trying to break it down because, I mean, I didn't plan this. This is where we're at in Colossians, right? He's the head of the body, the church. Then he says this. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. What's that all about? He's the firstborn from the dead. It means he's the first one that was resurrected. God resurrected Christ, who is the image of God. And by the way, that means he's fully God, because it says a little bit later, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. He was also fully man, because who else is in the image of God? What does the Bible say? Us, image of God. He showed us the perfect image of God, the sinless one, Jesus Christ. Fully man, fully God. Dies on a cross for our sin, we'll talk about in a moment. Pays for our sins to reconcile us to God. God raises him from the dead. He's alive in bodily form. It's, it's a mystery. Somewhere right now, Jesus Christ is in bodily form. In a resurrected body. Alive. On mission. Saving the world. Doing it through his people. Leading his people. By this thing called the Spirit of God. He's the first among many brothers and sisters that says that will be risen. Um, the message translation says... He started the resurrection parade. We're all going to be raised with him when he comes back. That's going to be the people of God living forever eternity. Here's something we miss. We tend to view the gospel like this. Have you noticed through this so far? Think how huge the gospel is. All things, all things, all things. Not just like God created Billy and then Billy did some naughty things. So, so God was like, oh, I better go die for Billy's sins because I love him so much. And now I get to be with Billy forever. I'm so happy. Right? That's how sometimes we think about the gospel. So much bigger than that, you guys. He created everything that we see. He came down into everything because it's all for him, and he made a way to reconcile us back to him. He was raised from the dead. Here's what the resurrection means. It's not that on Easter Sunday we proved everyone the resurrection really happened. That's not what it's about. Here's the resurrection. It did really happen. The resurrection brought judgment. The Jewish people, when they thought about the resurrection, they were looking to... It's called the age, the life and the age to come, the olam haba. It's a very big thing the Jewish people are looking for. It's the, it's the world to come. It's the new creation in which the Messiah, who they're still waiting for, we believe is Jesus, will come to judge the earth. And everyone will be resurrected. The just will be resurrected to eternal life with him. The wicked will be resurrected to judgment, eternal judgment. What Paul is saying when he talks about the resurrection over and over again is that it happened. It started. 
Stop waiting for it. It started. Jesus Christ, when he was raised from the dead, was declared to be the king of the world, right? Judgment has happened. Judgment is now. If you do not know Jesus Christ, if, you're not, if you haven't given your allegiance to him and you die after you leave this place, it's over. You don't get a second chance. I just want to be clear about that today. There's no second chances. It's not like, oh, well, you died. You didn't believe the gospel, so one more chance you're going to do it. The Bible says it's over very clearly. It's done. This is the chance now. That's why it's so urgent now, because judgment has happened. Judgment has happened. The resurrection life has happened. The Spirit of God. Um, we're going to talk about this in chapter 3. Verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. I just want to read one more really quick, because we missed this in Romans chapter 8. This be a great uh, chapter to read later. Got some free time. Chapter 8 says this, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And you know what He does the whole rest of this chapter? He doesn't go, So just hang tight. Jesus is coming back. Try not to get into trouble, okay? And then he will, you'll be resurrected. Whole thing, he unpacks the spirit that lives in you as alive. And he says, start living by the spirit of God, this life that's in you. Start living by it. There's power in it. He goes, all creation is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, waiting and waiting and waiting. And he says in verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. This is just huge because what we do in our Christian life is the gospel is basically Jesus died for the naughty things that I did. I did some bad things. He died for them. Now I get to go to heaven when I die. Hang on to my ticket. But there's also this thing called the Spirit that apparently lives in me. Every once in a while I feel this funny feeling and I'm like, oh, the Spirit of God's in me. Kind of tickles. Like, that's the Christian life, right? Instead of just like, dude, we've been swept up. All things are for him through him, held together in him. Now he's risen from the dead and the spirit of the living God is bringing life to your dead spirits. And eventually your body will join that at the end of time. So just unpack that this week. What does it mean to live by the spirit of God? It means letting him have more of you, not trying to get more of the spirit. Like, I spoke in tongues this week, Billy. Am I on the right track? Maybe. I don't know. But it's about the spirit getting more of you and becoming alive in you and living So that's what he's saying right here. He's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He might be first. He might be the Lord and the leader. And then he closes out this way. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It's another one you just got, we got to stop for a second, just take it in. Doesn't matter what I have to say, just listen to this. For in Jesus, all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. There's these... uh, People, we call them cults, and they come up with these weird theories that, like, Jesus was kind of God, but he was really just, he was God's son, but he wasn't really God. He's not fully God, you know. Um, He was created, or he's less than God, or blah, blah, blah. And they'll argue with you to the death. I'm not a rocket scientist, okay? I really haven't even been to seminary, but when it says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell— not sure how else you would take that, but it sounds like 
God was living inside of Jesus. <laughs> Can I get a, an amen unless I'm crazy here? Okay, dude. God was living inside of Jesus, walking on the earth. God was here in a body. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We've got to wrap this up, but here's the gospel right here. To reconcile what to himself? Yeah. We thought about that? Jesus died on the cross. He's reconciling all things, whatever you can think of. He's giving the opportunity to be reconciled back to God and to live in a relationship with God. And you're a part of that. To reconcile means something was wrong, had to be righted. We've turned our backs on God. We've rebelled against him. He died in our place, the death that we should have died, so we could be reconciled to God, making peace. There has to be peace, then there must be war. We're at war with God. Whether we give him the bird or we just don't think about him, we're at war with him. He made peace by the blood of his cross. The last thing I want to close with, it was bloody. Can't forget that. Paul specifically says, by the blood of his cross. For God, for the creator who you have made for, to allow you to be back into relationship with you, to be restored, it costs him his blood. He didn't come down and say, here's a list of things you guys are supposed to do. Here's the new religion I'm creating. If you do all these things, you'll be saved. He didn't give us a bunch of mumbo jumbo. He gave us his blood. Right? He allowed himself by his own creation, that's the trippy part, to be torn apart, to bleed on your behalf, on my behalf. He didn't have to do that. He was perfect, but he did it for us. That's the heart of the gospel. That's what this is all about. That's what we got to get back to as a church, individually, just back to the bloody cross. It's no joke, right? When you see the blood. That's serious. God means serious business. It's like you're mine. I'm restoring, and I have some stuff for us to do, for you guys to do. I want to end just reading it this way, and then we got to go. I'm, I'm going over time a little bit, but here's a great way to bring it home today. I did this um, as I was kind of meditating on it. Whenever it says all things, guess what's a part of all things? Guess what is actually the crown of God's creation? Who is it? What is it? Human beings, you and me. So we could put the word you in there. Check this out when you read it that way. For by him you were created. You were created through him and for him. He is before you, and in him you are held together. He is the beginning, the first form, born from the dead, that in everything, that in you, he might be preeminent. God was pleased to dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself, to reconcile you to himself by the blood of his cross. How about your neighbor, people that live around you? Imagine some of your neighbor's co-workers in your mind. Let's just use neighbor in there. For by him your neighbor was created. Your neighbor was created through him and for him. And he is before your neighbor, and in him your neighbor is held together. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in your neighbor he might be preeminent. He was, God was pleased to dwell in him and through him to reconcile your neighbor to himself by the blood of his cross. Let's end by putting Red Sea in there. Red Sea Church. For by him, Red Sea Church was created. Red Sea Church was created through him and for him. And he is before Red Sea Church, and in him... Red Sea Church is held together. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in Red Sea Church he might be preeminent. God was pleased to dwell in him and through him to reconcile Red Sea Church to himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. We're going to watch a testimony of someone whose life has been radically reconciled by the Creator, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.